0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at BethanyNaz.org.
1: So this week I got one of those phone calls that you love to get and it was a call from a guy whose name is Tom Stott. He and his wife Shirley attend our church and Tom said pastor I just want to call you to tell you what's going on in my life as a result of me being a part of this church and he said I feel like that I am more ready to for heaven than i have ever been in my life he said god is helping me and i'm growing in my faith and i think i'm becoming more like christ and what he wants me to be and i just wanted to call you and tell you that wherever you're leading us or whatever you're asking us to do i'm on board because god is truly changing me you love to get calls like that as a pastor the next day i had an idea and i thought to myself i should Ask Tom if he minds if I talk about him in the morning sermon. And so I called and his wife Shirley answers the phone and says, Well, Tom's not here, but I'm sure he won't mind, but I'll have him call you. And she said, But pastor, before you hang up, can I just tell you something? And I said, Yes, Shirley. And she says, You would not believe how much God has changed Tom. You just wouldn't believe it. Now, I think we celebrate a lot of stuff around here, but to me... I think that's something to celebrate. Tom, you want to stand real quick and let us just kind of celebrate what God's doing in your life? Now, now you need to lean in, okay? What Tom said to me before he hung up the phone, I've got to share with you. Pastor, I've got to tell you this. Before I hang up, I am so indebted I am so thankful. I mean, I will be forever grateful to Casey and Eunice Robinson because they invited me to this church. And sometimes I think about it and I'm afraid that if Casey and Eunice had never invited me to this church, maybe I wouldn't be experiencing the life change that I'm experiencing now. And so, Pastor, I just got to have you hear me say that I am so grateful for Casey and Eunice for inviting me to come to this church. Now, just think with me for a minute, okay? We have been talking through the month of July about who we are. And we looked at the Great Commission and we said that we believe that Jesus calls us to be people who are passionate about becoming more like Jesus and passionate about... About helping people come to know Jesus. Two things. I believe that Jesus deeply desires for us to give our lives to those two things. What do you want me to give my life to, Jesus? I want you to give your life to becoming more like me and helping people come to know me. And I remember standing here just a few weeks ago saying, I cannot come to the end of my life and one day stand before God. And say to the Lord, I, I'm sorry, I never really focused on those two main things that you were so concerned about. I, I guess I was distracted. I guess I was busy. I never, I never got around to the two things. And so last week we talked about what's it mean to become like Jesus. This week I want to focus on how do we as a church help people come to know Jesus. And, and you might want to listen closely. You might even want to write this down. But here's, here's what I've got to say to you this morning. The only way you and I can help people come to know Jesus is through invitation. The only way we can help people come into a deeper relationship with Jesus is through invitation. It's like Casey and Eunice Robinson meeting Shirley and Tom Stott and saying... You guys got to come to my church. The the only way that we have to help people come to know Jesus and grow into a deeper relationship with Jesus is through the power of invitation. At some point, you and I have to say to somebody, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Or will you come over to my house for a meal? Or can we go do something together? Or could we have a faith conversation? Or would you come to my church? And maybe at some point, it's when you invite somebody to enter into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But the only way, the only way you and I are going to help people come to know Jesus is through the power of invitation. Now, you may say, so, so where did you get that? You, you kind of dreamed that up maybe, or you sat around and think about stuff like that. No, no, actually it is the culture of the New Testament. And so let me show you what I'm talking about. In the book of John, chapter 1, would you grab a Bible and open it with me and let me start with verse 35, okay? The Gospel of John, chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 35. What's happening here is that John writes his gospel with Greek people in mind. He realizes that many of these Greek people have no Jewish Memory, no Hebrew memory. They don't know what a Messiah is. They don't know what a rabbi is. And so he writes his gospel with these people in mind. And it begins with a concept that they understand very well and have for over 500 years the idea of logos. A great Greek philosopher, Heraclitus, said the world should be in turmoil. But it's not. There is order, there is what he called logos. He said, Look, the grass is growing and the rain is coming down and the dew falls and the clouds are moving and the sun and the stars and the rivers are... Everything is in motion, he said. It should be chaotic, but it's not. There is order. There is Logos. And so John writes his gospel and you know what he says? In the beginning was the Logos. He's writing to Greeks. And the Logos was God. And the Logos was with God. And when he gets to verse 14, he says, And the Logos becomes flesh. The Logos moved into your neighborhood. Lived among you. In the next paragraph he says, I am not the Logos, okay? I want to make sure you understand I am not the one. But when he sees Jesus, he points to him and he says, That's him. Now, let me get to verse 35. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said... Look, the Lamb of God. Now, he's borrowing Hebrew thought. A lamb was a sacrifice. Jesus is a sacrifice for our sins. He is the way to forgiveness of sin. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? Now, just over a year ago, I stayed in this passage for a few weeks. And I remember saying to you when I read that question, I think it's one of the best questions I've ever heard in my life. What do you want? I think a great question for me to ask you and me today is what do you want? Do you want to become more like Jesus? Do you want to help people come to know Jesus? Is that what you want? I mean, I think at some point in your life, you've got to answer that question. What do you want? You may say, I just want to get out of debt. Or I want my marriage to get better. I want my kid to get his life straightened out. What else do you want? I mean, deep down, what is it that you want? Do you want to become like Jesus? Do you want to help people come to know about Jesus? Do you want those two things? The disciples responded, It's not what that we want, Jesus, it's who that we want. And the who that we want is you. We want to know where you are staying. Now, you've got to get this next sentence, okay? Jesus says, Come and you will see. So, do you know what I see when I read that sentence? I see invitation. (laughs) I mean, that's what I see. I see Jesus just saying, come on, come with me. That is the culture of the New Testament and it was started by the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ Himself. Just come on. My arms are open, just come on. Come and see. And so they went and they saw where He was staying and they spent the day with Him. It was about three, or rather about four in the afternoon. Now Andrew Simon's brother was one of the two disciples. We assume John, the writer of the gospel, was the other, but we don't know for sure. And heard him, what John had said, and, and uh, let me just read that over. Andrew, I'm sorry, Simon Peter's brother, uh, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing, first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah And he brought him to Jesus. Do you know what I see when I read those words? Invitation. Invitation. Simon Peter, I met a man named Jesus. You have got to go with me. You've got to meet him. It's invitation. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Now, you remember he's writing to Greeks, and he's been translating all the way through here rabbi, which means teacher, Messiah, which means Christ, and now he's given them an Aramaic word. Jesus spoke Aramaic, and he's given them the Greek translation Cephas is stone in Aramaic, but Petros is stone in Greek, and so he's just helping his readers kind of begin to understand who Jesus is. It doesn't stop there. In the next paragraph, Jesus sees a man whose name is Philip, and you know what he says to Philip? Follow me. Do you know what I hear when I hear Jesus say, follow me? Invitation. And Philip follows Jesus. And then he goes and he finds Nathanael and he says, We have found the one that Moses has written about and the prophets have written about Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathanael says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And you know what Philip said? Come and see. And you know what I hear when I hear the words, come and see? Invitation. It is the culture of the New Testament. Just over a year ago, on June 28th, I walked down and I stood about right here and there was a little lady sitting here and I looked at all of you and I said, if you had been born June 28th, 1915, how old would you be today? And everybody said 100. And I looked at Edna Thames and I said... Were you born June 28, 1915? And she said, I was. And I asked her to stand. She stood. She said to me, I'm not taking a cane down there. I said, it's okay. You don't have to take a cane. (laughs) I've always bragged on Edna. She comes to church every Sunday, but she had a little fight with the storm door the other day, and she's not here today. And, um, and, and, And Lewis said to me just this week, he says, did you hear about Edna buying a new mattress? And I said, no. And he said, she did. And he kind of grinned. And I said, what? And he said, she bought a new mattress with a 10-year warranty. (laughs) She's now 101. Now, in my mind, that's optimism. In fact, I don't know how much more optimistic you can be. And I wish in these next few minutes I was going to be highly optimistic with you. But I'm not going to be. I'm going I'm to shoot straight with you, okay? So I remember when I started preaching as a young preacher boy, I would get up and I had this little thing that I would do sometimes. I would stand behind the pulpit and I would say, let me tell you something. Only one-third of the population of the United States of America attends a church on a Sunday morning. Now, this wasn't that many years ago. And here's how I would explain it. I would say, so if you find yourself in a grocery store tomorrow and there are three people in your line, the chances are really good that you're the only person in that line who attended church this past weekend. And I remember somewhere along the way a few years ago, I started looking at numbers again and I had to change my story. And my story had to become only one-fourth of the population of America is in church on Sunday morning. And so if you are in a store on during the week in a grocery store, and you're in line, and there are four people in your line. The chances are really good you're the only one who went to church the past weekend. You know what I've had to do? I've had to change my story again. And I have to stand up here on Sunday morning in front of you and say, listen to me, one-fifth of the population of the United States of America goes to church on Sunday morning. And so if you are in a store next week and there are 5 people in your line the chances are really good you are the only one who was in church on sunday morning anybody wondering why my quickest response is well the world is becoming more secular Why is the world becoming more secular? And I think one of the reasons for sure is that the church of Jesus Christ has failed to focus on the two things. We're in a sermon series that's called, Who Are We? And I think it's the kind of morning where we have to just kind of stop and look at each other in the eye and maybe go home and look in the mirror and maybe get to an altar and look into the eyes of Jesus and say... Are we passionate about helping people come to know Jesus? Are we passionate about becoming like Jesus? Is that really who we are? I think think deep down in our hearts, we long for the years that were before us. The founder of the Church of the Nazarene Phineas Brazee used to refer to our churches as centers of holy fire. I wonder if Phineas F. Brazee toured our churches today in America what would he would call them now. I think deep down in our hearts we all have this sense that in the Church of Jesus Christ in the United States something is terribly wrong, something something is not right. I think we know in our hearts that the church could be much stronger, much better, much more effective in the community that we're in. That that's why I'm talking to you like I'm talking to you, and like I'm talking to me, and I think that's why God is talking to me like He's talking to me. So let's think a little bit about what's happening here. I, I want to I I give you a, a, a strategy, okay? I, I, I want desperately to do this. And so I don't think I can, I can really tell you. Um, I think I could show you better what I'm reading here. So, Ben, I know I haven't asked you prior, but would you come and join me for just a minute and help me in my sermon just for a second? Um, I know that's kind of awkward. I didn't give you any kinds of heads up. And now as I'm scanning, nobody is making eye contact with me. I mean, everybody's like... Uh, Ben, you know that uh, you are my friend, and thank you so much for helping me this morning. It's so, my pleasure. Yeah. So maybe, maybe one, one more. And Jimmy, if you'd just come up real quick, you probably thought, "Oh, I think I'm dead in water," uh, a few minutes ago. But Jimmy's my good friend, and and I know that you're willing to help me this morning with this too. So, so just come here for a minute, will you, my friend? So, did you notice what happened? Uh, and the good news for you guys, you're off the hook. That's about all you have to do. But did you notice what happened when, when I just, when I did this? Both of them just kind of came into my arms, okay? So what if we lived our lives that way, as followers of Jesus? What if our lifestyle was invitation? Come on. Just come on. What, what, what if to the whole world we just lived like this? Thank you so much. What would the response of our society be if we just lived like this? Because too often, even the church, you know how we live? Like this. Do you think it's Profoundly simple or simply profound. Annette and I don't feel like we're very good at it. We've been on a journey here for several months as we feel like God has been leading us and God has been saying to me, your only strategy for helping people come to know Jesus is just living with your arms open. And you talk about how challenged Annette and I have been over these last few months to try to get our arms out instead of living our lives like this. It's been a challenge for us. But when I look at the scripture, that's what I find. John points to Jesus and says, That's the Lamb of God. And so the two disciples follow. And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus says, <laughs> That's his response. Come on. Come and see. And he sets the tone. And so they go and they hang out with Jesus for a whole day. And then after that, you know what they're doing? Andrew is running up to Simon Peter and saying, Andrew, come, you gotta go with me. And then Jesus goes to Philip and he says, Philip, come on, follow me. And then Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, Nathaniel, come on. It's it's just living with your arms open. I'm I'm a little full this morning. I'll be honest with you, I I want to cry about as bad as I've ever wanted to cry. Uh, I was just overcome in the worship this morning. Part of that is because I was at Two Lakes this morning. It hit me this week, wait a minute, service isn't starting until 10.30, if I bypass the Sunday school, I can run down and actually be at Two Lakes. I've never been there on a Sunday morning. You remember Thaddeus calling me one time, the pantry has been there for a few years, we've been serving people and there was a Bible study and... Pastor Thaddeus Black called me and said, Pastor Rick, is there any reason why we couldn't meet here on Sunday morning? And I'm thinking, what's it going to hurt? The building's rented. If there's a handful of people that want to come and study the Bible with Thaddeus on Sunday morning, that's fine. I said, no, Thaddeus, I, I think that's fine. You know what we did? We slipped up and planted a church. We didn't mean to. It was an accident. <laughs> and before you know it, Thaddeus is coming to me saying, hey, we had eight people come and then we had 12 i remember one monday i saw thaddeus and he said pastor mm, you know how thaddeus says it <laughs> yes yes he says we had 19 i said thaddeus you had 19 sunday yeah i remember one day right out in the foyer he was coming in for second service i said thaddeus you still having like you know 15 to 20 people he said we worded today pastor and i don't know what happened today I said, how many came today? He said, Pastor, we had 31 today. And then I was hearing he was having 40. I brought a picture. Alan, did you get my picture? There they are this morning. Did you know there are over 60 people? I'm telling you, you want to go where the Spirit of God is moving, (laughs) you should stop by there on Sunday morning. You'll crawl the way through church like I am. It's it's amazing. You know what Thaddeus did when he went to that Two Lakes community? That's about it. It's about it. He just opened his arms. And you know, everybody just falls into his big old arms. And he just hugs you and he prays for you. And he loves you. I was by Two Lakes one day this week and Doug Eaton said, Pastor, come over. And he was loading groceries into somebody's car and here's this little couple and Doug and Thaddeus are saying, you ought to come to church Sunday. Just, just invitation. There's a lot of love here. You'll, you'll feel welcome. You'll feel cared for. These people will they'll surround you. And this morning I watched Thaddeus and all of that church gather around this little family And I mean, when they say, let's gather around them, church, everybody goes up and gets around them, and they pray for them. And Thaddeus says, now let's pray for the babies. Now, babies could be babies, or they could be this tall, but they pray for the babies. And the whole church gets around the kids, and they pray for them. And they're just living like this. I think at Midtown, I think that's what's happening downtown. Chris and Mikkel are just opening their arms. We're here. Just come on in. It's just the power of invitation. Did you know that invitation can change somebody's life? It can change somebody's life. I don't have to tell you this morning that um, we're living in a crazy time. I, I don't think I've ever felt so concerned about what's going on in our world. In the last 40 days, the number of people who have been killed, the tension in the United States and around the world. And I don't even want to talk about political tension this morning. We are so divided. Thaddeus and I talked the other day and I said to him, Thaddeus, we've got to take Jesus to the people. We've got to have a church in Two Lakes. That's our only hope. Let me... Let me kind of talk to you for a minute here. An invitation can change somebody's life. Annette and I were invited to dinner last night at someone's home. You know how we walked in that house? Like, we are here. You know? We didn't walk in ashamed or wondering if we should be there. We had been invited. I've learned to listen to myself use those words. And I use them with different energy than I use other words. When I tell people, we were invited to somebody's house or we were invited somewhere. It feels good to be invited. But here's the thing. When Jesus says to Andrew, come and see, it changed Andrew's life. When Andrew said to Peter, you've got to come and meet this guy. You understand It changed Simon Peter's life. When Jesus said to Philip, Philip, follow me, it changed Philip's life. When Philip called Nathaniel. it changed Nathaniel's life. Invitation can change somebody's life. I remember the first time that I ever said to Annette, would you go on a date with me? It changed her life. (laughs) There have been times she would love to change it back, but you can't do that. You think about power of invitation. And, and Jesus entrusts that power to you and me. I, I think it's, it's incredible. So, I'm going to talk to you from my heart a minute. And I've been just a little bit um, different today, I know. But I'm okay with it. Um, if your story is my story, you probably don't get it like I don't get it. So if you were raised in the church like I was, and nobody ever came and found you and brought you to Jesus, you probably don't get the full impact of what we're seeing here happening in the New Testament. If your story is different, and somebody came and found you and invited you to come to Jesus, and your life was changed, then you probably get it. Okay? Hear me out, okay? Maybe the only way that you and I are ever really going to get it, and this is when it happens, it's when we invite somebody. And we find ourselves walking into Bethany First Church on Sunday morning with a real-life, full-blown sinner By our side. And then all of a sudden, we get it. And on that Sunday, you're not nearly as concerned about, are they going to sing the kind of music that I really like? Or is it going to happen the way I like for it to happen? The only thing in your heart is, I sure hope that pastor... And those people have thought this through. And I hope they are intentional about reaching the person sitting beside me. Because everything is riding on this. And all of a sudden, the light comes on. And you understand the power of invitation. We got ushers ready. Can you guys help me with these cards? Am I speaking Greek to you guys or are we good? We know what's going on, right? Okay. So I want you just to come on and start passing them out. We've been talking for several weeks now about September the 11th. And on September the 11th, we are going to begin a journey together as a church. I'm, I'm asking you to block your calendar to do whatever you have to do to be here um, I mean, you cannot miss September the 11th. I am going to ask you to make a commitment and begin a journey with me, a 40-day journey on September the 11th. Here's the thing about it. If you're here on September the 11th, that'll be wonderful. That'll be beautiful. That'll be great. But um, how much greater would it be if you had somebody with you? Somebody who needed to come back to Jesus? Somebody who needed Jesus in their life? And what if they began a journey with us together? I mean, just think about it. I mean, wouldn't it be great if God does something great in our hearts and He changes us over those 40 days? You can just start passing them out. I think, I think you're just kind of dumping a few at each row, maybe something like that. So just go ahead. and. But, but I want you to take one of these cards with you, okay? And, and, and it's just a matter of you taking an opportunity to write down some names of people that you're going to be praying for that you're going to invite to come with you on September the 11th, okay? So it's not just a matter of you being here, but you have to be here. You can't miss. I'm telling you, if you've got a trip planned, you've got to cancel. If there's a wedding, you've got to just rearrange all of that stuff too. I know that's a lot of work. But you've got to be here on September the 11th, okay? You can't miss it. But how much greater would it be if you came on September the 11th and you had somebody with you? To begin this journey with you. And not only is God going to change your heart, but He's going to change their hearts over those next 40 days. Okay? And so as you're getting those cards, I just want to challenge you. This is a great time of the year. Labor Day will be over. People will be back in school. People will be seeking order in their lives. They'll be settling down. It's the best time to invite people who aren't going to church to come to church with you. It's prime time. It's a great opportunity, all right? Now, as you're looking at those, I'm going to ask you to to give me all the attention you can give me, and I'm going to say one more thing before I sit down, okay? And here's what it is. If you find yourself staring at that card, and I find myself staring at that card, you listening to me? And you don't know who on earth you could write down. There's not a name that comes to mind. Just say, okay. And let the Holy Spirit remind you. The reason you can't think of a name is because you are not passionate enough about helping people come to know Jesus. If there's not one name on your mind, you've got to admit to yourself this morning, I'm not even thinking about lost people. I can't even think of a name, Rick. You want to ask me, am I passionate about helping people come to know Jesus? Okay, I'm not. I'm not praying for anybody that's lost. But do not let yourself remain that way. Let this be a season of your life. And I'm praying it will be a season of my life. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to us. Annette and I laid in bed and talked about it this morning. Who would we write down? And we had to admit to ourselves, where's the passion for lost people? And if you can't think of a name, it tells you something about where you are. And it tells me something about where I am. See, somebody told me, somebody brought me, and through that invitation, I experienced God's grace, and had it not been for God's grace, where would you be today? I'm thinking about Azar and the story that we saw a few minutes ago, the power of invitation, okay? The counselor said, I want you to come to BFC to celebrate recovery. Butcher Rico said, I want you to go to Sunday school with me. But had it not been for the grace that God extended through those people, where would Azar be today? So I called Josh Cobb early this morning, heard he was in town, and he's coming at this time. And there's a song that I think we would do well just to let it sink end this morning. So listen. Listen closely to these words and let, let God speak to us as we think about our own journeys and the grace that we have received.
0: measured out my days life carried me along in my heart I yearned to follow God but knew I'd never be so strong I looked hard at this world To see how heaven could be gained Just to end where I began Where human effort is all for grace I could tell battles I would face praise expressed with all When he saw in full just how much his love would cost, he still went the fight. for great
1: You. You you. Doctor, would you come up? Um oh, boy, my heart is full. My DS is in the service this morning. I got up to preach and didn't see Dr. Terry Rowland, but I would I'd be so grateful if you would just close our time with prayer. Would you pray for Bethany First Church? Would you stand with us as we pray?
2: Father, uh, my heart is strangely warm today by your presence. Thank you for grace that has reached out to each of us beyond measure. Thank you for the challenge to my own heart this morning. We are desperately in our hearts seeking a renewal to be more like you. So I pray that there would be something that might happen in Bethany First Church of the Nazarene that might somehow shake the kingdom of a place called Nazarene's. May it happen here and across our district And as I heard pastor this morning opening his heart to us, it made me realize again, maybe I need to be more tender to your spirit, sensitive to the still small voice. So touch us today. Thank you for this place. We uh, thank you for what you've done in the past, but we're looking forward to September the 11th. We're looking forward to the future for what you're going to do. And thank you that your grace will be sufficient for whatever we face. We pray this in the name of the living Jesus who intercedes for us right now. Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
1: God bless you.
0: You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.